KXNO. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Drake softball saw their season end yesterday as they fell to Georgia 7-4 in the NCAA tournament. The Bulldogs finished the year 43-15. The Iowa baseball team will look to extend their season as they begin tomorrow in the Big Ten tournament. The eight-seeded Hawkeyes take on number one Indiana in the double elimination tournament from Omaha. In the Western Conference Finals of the NBA, it took overtime, but Golden State sweeps their way past Portland. Green wins the tip. Thompson for three. Puts it in. Thompson rattles it home to tie the game. The call from ESPN. Steph Curry with the triple-double. 37 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists. Draymond Green also with the triple-double. 18, 14, and 11. The Warriors will have nine days off before the NBA Finals begin against Milwaukee or Toronto. Game four tonight of the Eastern Conference Finals with the Bucks and Raptors. 7.30 tip-off. To baseball in Wrigley Field, the Cubs come roaring back against the Phillies, but the bullpen can't hang on to the lead, and JT Realmoto gives the Phillies a lead in extras. That one's hit well. Out to left center field. Going back on it is Schwarber toward the wall. Gone! Home run, Realmuto, and the Phillies take the lead. The call from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Game two tonight at 6.05. It'll be Jose Quintana on the mound. For the Cubs. Late last night in Anaheim, the Twins win again. Driven to deep right center field. That ball is back and gone. Sano to the opposite field, and the Twins take a 3 1 lead. Dick Bremer on the call, Fox Sports North, as the Twins hold on for the 3 1 win and move to 31 16 on the season. Twins back at it tonight against the Angels. 907 first pitch, Michael Pineda on the bump for the Twinkies. The Cardinals host the Royals 715 with the first pitch. It'll be Michael Waka opposite Homer Bailey. Hear the game right here on 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you for another hour, 15 minutes, or thereabouts away from Zubin Mahente joining the program. We'll go around the world of sports with Zubin. In particular, a lot of NBA conversation coming up, I'm guessing, uh, Zubin Mahente, ESPN in about 15 minutes. So I'll ask you the same question I asked Vinny Iyer. Should the Bills have... I mean, it hasn't been worn since 1977. Right. This guy, and I don't know the player's name. I never heard of the guy. I think he's a free agent um, that asked for number 32. And the Bills were willing to give out OJ's number. It's not retired, per se. Right, but it's... Why would you want that It lives in infamy. It's stained. Guys, though, they have numbers. Did you have a number? What was your hockey number? 17. 17. Mm-hmm. That's why on the message board, well, when I'm on, Hawkeye Lounge, I'm Miller 17. Because Miller was taken. So the, the, the hockey number is where you went. Right. And there was, you know, I took number 17 when I was when I was a kid. No there clue. Was, there was nobody that had number 17. Oh, you were going to no, 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 forge your own path. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, not really. But there was no 17 star, like number nine. Everybody wanted number nine. No, Gordie Howe. 
I Bobby Hull or whatever. Okay, Gordy Howe, yeah. certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, number four, you want to be Bobby Orr. No Canadian boy can ever wear 99. So I wore 23 ever. for one year in elementary school. Jordan. Yeah. Even though he wasn't playing baseball at the time. Oh, yeah, that was your baseball that number. That was my baseball number for Little League Baseball. Yeah, I can see that for baseball. Yeah. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. So I went to two. There two is go. my number. Two is your number. 17, me, I like two, the you. So 32 um, for for O.J. Simpson. Why would the Bills even give it out? Why would they Why would they create the media? And, and I mean, nobody would have talked about this today. And maybe it's not that big of a story, but it's the third week in May for crying out loud. It's, this is something that didn't need to be discussed. It, it's one of those things that better left unsaid, right? Just keep it, keep it wherever you store them. Does this player, he has no recollection of O.J. Oh, Simpson. Oh, of course not. No, O.J. Simpson's been gone for, for way before he was born. I'm talking about he doesn't even know, unless he's read up on the story, O.J. Simpson, the murderer. He's 94, right? Convicted yeah. 90, or not convicted, acquitted in 1995 criminally, but I mean, cause guilty civilly. You have to be born mid-80s probably to have mm-hmm. a real recollection of even the trial and everything mm-hmm. that went along with it. Chase. We're talking about a guy, what, 22, 23 years old? Right. But O.J. Simpson, is now he's not the face of that franchise, is he? Jim, Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly is. That's who I would say. Me yeah. too. But boy, O.J., he was as critical to that franchise um, during the, those set because they were bad teams. And they ran him into the ground. Oh, they did, Trent. But good God, he was fun to watch run. Yeah. He was such a player. I remember watching him at USC. We used to get a, a college football highlight package. I don't know when it aired. I think it ended aired Sunday mornings or whatever. And I don't remember the channel we got it on because I don't think we had American TV yet. But it was the it was kind of like this week in baseball, mm-hmm. only it was a this week in college football. And seemingly, you know, whenever I was watching that program and the time that I was, it was his, his USC era. God, Trent, he was he couldn't tackle him. He was huge. He was strong. He was fast. I mean, he had everything you mm-hmm. want for a running back. I think this more than anything, it'll become a non-story. And this guy kind of broke it. Where even if he doesn't make the team now, kind of going forward, it's, it's okay. Because you're right, it's not a retired number. No, but it should be. It's not. You shouldn't honor it. You shouldn't retire it like you know we think of retired. It's not numbers. going up to the wall of fame, right? You just shouldn't. That's not an option. Shouldn't issue it, right? It's like the 13th floor in a hotel. You can't stay on the 13th floor. There is none. You go 12 to 14 at most places, even though yours technically Which 13. Is silly too. It is, but you know how that's. It's that's kind of what how I equate it. You shouldn't wear 32. Should not be an option. I got something for you. All right. We missed it yesterday. NFL note. Bud Grant, or 92 yesterday. Did he really? Bud Grant. And he's still holding his garage sales. He is, and mm-hmm. it's coming up in June this year. I just What looked. can he have left? <laughs> I, If I can talk my way into it at home. You would like to go to it. I really would. And you know, I'm not a Vikings fan. Right. But the, I mean, it's a part of Minnesota sports yeah. lore. Yeah. Going to the Bud right. Grant garage sale in yeah. 92. You know, he's, he's part of two city sports lore. Oh, you hear Winnipeg Jet, yeah, Winnipeg, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The Bombers, yeah. Yeah, him and Kenny Plain, former Hawkeye right. Rose Bowl MVP. Kenny Plain was the quarterback. Uh, Bud Grant was the coach in the late 50s, early 60s. One of my first sports memories was Bud Grant, Kenny Plain. Has anybody ever been up to that? I, I would love to hear. To the garage sale? Yeah. I well, I've read about it. I, I mean, Me too. But like I say, how much stuff can this guy have left? <laughs> it's Because it's a lot of his memorabilia, right? Right, yep. No, and, Bud Grant was a big, or and probably still is, Ducks Unlimited. He oh, really? loved to hunt geese and ducks. Yeah. And would come up to Manitoba 
I mean, I don't know if he still does. He's 92 after all, but um, yeah, he was he was big, big into that. So you want to go? I do. I, I would like to just experience it. I don't know if I'd actually walk away with anything, if I'd buy anything, but just experience that. It's something... You know, it's experiences as we start to age a How little How would you bit like more. to be his neighbors on that on Garage Sale <laughs> Weekend, right? I mean, 364 days out of the year is probably cool to right. live next to Bud Grant. Yes. The one day a year that he has the garage sale, that's got to be inconvenient to say the least. At the Final Four, he was there. Was, it, did, I, was he noticeable or was he in a suite? I saw, yeah, the, the media contingent that was around him. I think it was oh, a couple of the Minneapolis. Who's the former Star Tribune guy that now works for USA Today? Tom... Palacello. Oh, P P L S. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. guy. Okay, yeah. I, I saw him. And, yeah, Something and like he that. was talking to him. There was a big media scrum then around it, mm -hmm. and so I didn't have a chance to sneak myself in there and put my phone out and ask some dumb question about the football or something like right. that. But yeah, he was there. And and this, isn't Sid Hartman older than ninety two? Yeah, Sid's ninety. Eight? Nine, I don't know. Probably, yeah. I mean, think about that. Bud Grant's 92, and there's a guy that was covering him that's, that, that, that still is writing for the Star Tribune that's older than Bud Grant. Sid Hartman, born 1920. That's crazy, Trent. That is March 15th, 1920. So he's going to turn 100 years 100. old next March. You've seen the statue of Target Field. Yep. Well, you've been there a yep. million times, right? Yep. I thought that was pretty cool that they did that. I mean, <laughs> how many other stadiums have a media member, a statue of a media member. So I'm guessing that's there's, it. There's stuff of him up at U.S. Bank, too, when I was in the Is upper, there? Yeah. upper part in the football. They had, I think, a plaque that was there. He, old Sid, 99 years, mm -hmm. still working, mm -hmm. still doing his thing. Right. Him and Bob Brooks, the stories of those two oh guys together, God. and they would go back and forth. Yeah. And, you know, that's another, we talked yesterday with Scott Dockerman. I, I like to, he's relayed some conversations, and they would go at each other. They would go back and forth because... Boy, Doc hit one. Boy, he found what topic here, by the way. Yes. I don't know how many clicks he's got on this piece and what his history is as far as people that have read his stuff at The Athletic. This might be number one. Well, and I think there's a lot of people, and I've heard from a lot of people, that picked up a subscription just for this. Is that a fact? I mean, think we're talking 23 years I ago. I know, Trent. And it still resonates mm -hmm. here. And that's why radio in this market in general, it is different. Mm -hmm. And you can look at all the national landscapes and the changing demographics and all the different things that are out there. But radio still in Iowa is incredibly important. Local radio mm. is incredibly important. With rural state, you get into football season, you got people working out in the combines, and yeah. you got to work on the weekend. Sure. And there's no days off, and you're out there well, I still want to hear the Hawks. Mm -hmm. I want to hear the Cyclones, whatever it may be. I want to hear Cardinal baseball. It's whatever still Whatever it is. Right? It's, it's important. Here. Yes. And uh, it's great to be in a market like that. No, you're not. You're preaching to the choir, my friend. Zuba Mahente could have been in a market like this. He turned me down. I'm going to ask him if he remembers that. Okay. I'm going to, I'm trying to remember the year. I think it was after Peralta and before Brinson. So what was that? Oh, nine? No, that's when he came. That came in 09. Okay. The F-bombs dropped in March of 09. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, that goes back to Mark Emmert's piece from a couple of weeks ago. That was one aspect of his piece that was incorrect. He wasn't coming in here to do – I think he, in the piece, Emmer pointed out that uh, um, that the criminal, um, the jailbird, was coming in here to do a commercial or a promo. Mm -hmm. We were doing a show. Yeah, you're doing the NCAA tournament was, show, we, right? Yeah, Larry and, and Jeff just got off the air at 9 o'clock. I wonder if they want us talking about this. <laughs> well, look, it's history. Yeah. Um, and John Miller, myself, Terrell, 
And Larry and Jeff sitting right where you're sitting right now wasn't cutting a promo. He's coming in. We're doing an hour show, an hour preview because there was no local programming because at the time Westwood One aired here. Oh, on okay. KXNO. Okay. So you're waiting for we are waiting for eleven o'clock yeah, whenever the tournament started, and yeah. because John wasn't going to have his local show from two right. to four because we weren't going to be on from four until seven. They decided, the powers that be decided, well, we were going to bring you guys in and, you know, we'll, we'll have a little pregame of day two of the NCAA tournament. That's how it started. Aha. That's when it started. It was at the shift change. It was nine o'clock. Larry's show is done. He's leaving the studio. Boom. It hit the fan. John was sitting where I'm sitting. Um, I was over there. Well, you over there was a point. <laughs> You're on radio, fool. Um, but I was sitting in here and they crossed paths and, Somehow the microphones were on. And that happened. And everybody, well, everybody, John Miller and my phones just started to blow up with texts. You guys are on the air. Wow. Yeah. Never forget it. That's crazy. It is. Um, want to do this? Yeah, let's do that. Let's give away, try to give away a thousand bucks. What do you say? I'm in. Time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. Final week of this contest, folks. Let's have another winner in this building. Hopefully another winner on KXNO. Text the keyword COIN to 200-200 right now. Enter to win $1,000 cash. That's COIN to 200-200. Standard message and data rate supply. Back with Zubin Mahente, Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. It's a long intro. I was going to say, would you get to it? You're waiting for the rock. Come on, Roger. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Still waiting. I, I like to wait, too, until it kind of hits that crescendo, but uh, you beat me. You finally got me. Let's get Zubin Mahente in here. What could have been? It could have been the M&M boys. Zubin, Trent, and Ken, good to talk to you. We were going down memory lane earlier today. Do you remember when I approached you to gauge your interest about getting back into radio and doing so with me in Des Moines? I do remember that. I think we had a brief conversation about that. Yeah, you said, no, I'm not interested. (laughs) (laughs) At that time, I think I had my eyes squarely uh, on this place where I am now, and I knew I wanted to be here. But I always tell people, because over the years, as you know, and I'm one of the people that uh, is in this mix, there's a lot of changeover. You know, when I was there, uh, you know, obviously Keith is the dean, and he's still there, and obviously he's on your radio station as well. But when I was there, it was pretty stable at the one spot for Heidi Soliday, mm-hmm. KCCI, John Walters, who I worked with, and obviously now is the voice of the Cyclones, and Keith. But at the number two and three positions, uh, at least when I was there, everybody had a two and a three. I think it's still the same way. KDSM's a little up in the air because they didn't have as much programming uh, back then. Uh, but it was a situation where you looked at it and said to yourself, the twos and threes, the weekend of the sports reporter position, consistently cycled out men and women every two or three years. And anytime there was an opening and somebody said, should I go to Des Moines? I would say this is one of the best places in the country for local sports. Mm -hmm. Because when I worked in Denver and some of these other places, 
local sports is in danger because a lot of what they're covering is covered nationally. But right. you guys had the relays. I guess, you know, got the high school track last week. I saw some of that with a little bit of the controversy. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff where when you work in a market like Des Moines, hugely important in central Iowa. So whenever anybody would ask, I would say, hey, if local sports is your thing, try to get there. And when you get there, try to stay there. So it's a unique market for sure. Not just the college football stuff that we talk about all the time, but all the other things as well. But I do remember that conversation. But people over the years have always asked about local positions because they tend to open uh, every two or three years, at least somewhere along the affiliate range. And I always give it the highest endorsement. Zubin, if you ever went back into local television, what market would make the most sense? You mentioned, you know, here it is a great place for local sports, and and it's still important on the airwaves. We're talking about the radio side, but the TV side of things. Is there a market that you'd have your eye on? You could wave a magic wand. Money's all the same. What local TV market would you like to get back into? Oh, the one I used to work in. I I would say Des Moines, because it's one of those Mm -hmm. things where, for me, when I lived there, I remember, do you guys remember a radio guy? Trent, you may not, because I know you were probably up in North Iowa at the time. Ken, do you remember a guy named Holden Kushner? Yeah, now he's doing MLB. He started when uh, when the iCubs started their sports station, 940. He did mornings, I want to say, with Larry Morgan, I believe. Yeah, right? You're, yep, you're spot on. So when I first got to town, he must have just seen me on TV one day during the weekend. And he called me, couldn't text me at the time, it was 2001, and he called me, literally actually picked up the phone and called me and basically said, hey, we'd love to have you down for a morning. And his show was done, Ken, you mentioned 940 with the iCubs. His show was done at, I think at the time it was called Sex Taylor Stadium. Yep. But it was like in one of the boxes where I know you guys have been doing your show mm-hmm. uh, periodically at uh, Principal Park. But it was one of those types of setups. And I remember driving there, and it was actually, to this day, the worst rain I've ever driven. <laughs> like I felt like I was going to die on the way over to the station. But I remember driving and thinking to myself, there's nothing around the ballpark. There's nothing mm-hmm. there. And now when I came back to visit, right. what a great place it's become. And that's just the growth. I mean, when I lived there in 2001, other than Court Avenue, I mean, people didn't go downtown. It's true. People just didn't go downtown. And now there's just too much stuff to do downtown, <laughs> which is a great problem. To have, obviously, for any city that's growing. So, Trent, I would say Des Moines because I know off the air, I would be personally satisfied. And on the air, to the previous point I made, I could walk into my news director's office and say, and we used to joke about this and I worked with John, I would say there's fifty to 60,000 people at Jack Price. It was closer to 50 when I was there. I know the stadium has expanded. And Iowa was always around that old 70,197, if that number rings the bell, Trent. And I would always say... Um, there's 120,000 people on one day, on a Saturday, um, watching sports in Iowa. We need all the resources we can get. I understand it's Saturday and news is slim and trim, but there's 120,000 people out there watching, and we need to be able to cover it. And for the foreseeable future, and I'm sure if you ask Keith this or anybody this, that's the number one thing. When Iowa and Iowa State are playing football, other than maybe the caucuses, there's nothing bigger. And if you're a sports guy or a sports gal in a situation like that, and the cost of living is great, and it's clean, and it's green, and it's safe, and it's an awesome place, 
Pretty easy choice for me. Hmm. Well, Zubin, I'll just finish up on Holden Kushner. I hope nobody in the uh, listening audience remembers him because he was up against Bob Dyer and myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that, our, you know, for uh, personally, that not people, I mean, people got familiar with Holden Kushner. But we move on. Speaking of openings, why would you not leave Providence to take the Michigan job if indeed the rumors were uh, correct on two fronts? A, that Michigan had offered Ed Cooley the job, and B, this morning, that he's turned it down and he has signed an extension to stay with Providence in the Big East. Why would you not want the Michigan job opposed to staying in Providence, Ubin? It's a great question. Now, he's done great work at Providence. He's a local guy. To that area. Maybe that does mean something to him, I believe. I think before he got there, Providence made like four tourneys in 20 years. Um, yeah, he took Keno Davis's place, right? When Keno got fired, yeah. he took Keno's job. And as you know, Providence has a rich history going back to the old days yeah. of the Big East um, with the Keno and Billy Donovan and all that. But I think they made the tournament maybe four times in 20 years. Then he went and they made it five straight years, which is you know, maybe not the world's most impressive thing on the surface, but if you're telling me you only went four times in three decades and then you go five years in a row, once you start getting going, that's interesting. The other thing that I did see was that this search was being run by a guy named Gene DiFilippo, former AD at uh, Boston College, and Cooley used to be an assistant at Boston College. You would think that, well, you know, he might have the inside track here because the, the search is being run by a former Boston College guy who he worked under when he was an assistant at Boston College. So if he wanted it, you might think everything falls into place. I think the, the big name hire would be Dewan Howard, but Cooley's a respected name. He's a guy that's recruited. He knows how to go up against the big boys. Howard, because of the old Fab Five thing, would be probably the more sentimental choice, but I think Cooley is the more proven choice, but obviously he doesn't want it. There must be something about the pull keeping him back. I, I don't know that for a fact, but you know, having been an assistant at Boston College and having been the head coach of Providence, knowing that lay of the land, knowing the area, um, knowing he's safe and doing a really great job there. Maybe that has something to do with it, the local ties. But on the surface, you're right. Michigan is one of the best jobs in the country. Beeline turned it into one of the best jobs uh, in the country. But maybe this is one of those situations where he just feels better where he's at. And I think they would win the press conference. I'm not saying they'd win a lot of games. But I think they'd win the press conference if somebody like Juwan Howard retired. Zubin, uh, we were talking during the break, uh, Ken and I, and one thing that I brought up to him, if it is Juwan Howard, is he's going to have to find a way to recruit like Penny Hardaway. That is becoming one of the biggest stories here of this offseason, along with the open Michigan job. Penny Hardaway, year number two going in for Memphis, a guy that has AAU connections, of course, the NBA pedigree, and he's put together an incredible class. And what, bringing in 10, 11 new guys for next year's team, Memphis looks like they're going to be back. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to be preseason top 10. And this is one of those situations where I think people expected this down there, but maybe not this quick. Because even last year, when they were trying to put everything together, I just can't think you can underestimate when you watch them on TV, when you'd watch the games, particularly they were played in Memphis, the building was packed, absolutely packed. And this is a program that had hit the skids. You know, Passner had done a good job. But he was not able to sustain. And then I think Tubby Smith is a great coach. Don't get me wrong. Tubby Smith is the national championship winning coach. But that was just a really bad fit. I think you need a younger guy to energize that city. The team means so much. And Tubby's X's and O's have never been a question. And like I said, he's generally been successful everywhere he's been. Obviously culminating in Kentucky. He's been very good at a number of Power 5 jobs. 
this not being a power five job, quote unquote. Um, but I think they had to make the right move. And I think to bring a guy like this in here and to say in year one, we just need you to bring the passion and the magic back, and then we'll see how you can recruit. Um, you know, getting the number one recruit in the country, James Wiseman's a big deal. Having a kid named Boogie Ellis decommit from Duke to go to mm-hmm. Memphis, which shows he can go toe-to-toe with Coach K. Because let's be honest, prior to this recruiting cycle, uh, trend that you talked about, it was basically uh, Cal and Krzyzewski going at it for every top recruit. Mm-hmm. And it seemingly Cal had forfeited some ground to Krzyzewski. It seemed like with the Duke class they put together last year, obviously with that legendary class, that K had pulled ahead, and it was a two-horse race between him and Cal. But at this point, I think you've got to put Penny right into that mix. Now, they obviously have to work out and figure things out. There's a bunch of Memphis kids on the roster that if they don't play, there's probably going to be some howling <laughs> uh, because they're local. But we'll wait to see. It's always a two-part equation, right? you got to get into campus, and then you got to make it all work. Over the course of time, Krzyzewski and Cal have proven that they can do A and B. Penny's obviously just entering his second year as a head coach. He's clearly been able to do A. Now we'll have to make sure they can all work together on the court, which is the more hard, which is the more difficult, but far more intriguing aspect. Hmm. Zubin, NDA in a second. One more on this. Trent and I have uh, tossed this around a little bit throughout the morning. Uh, I'm kind of torn on this uh, regarding the Bills. And reissuing number 32, of course, OJ made the number famous and no one's worn it since, you know, he left the Bills back in the, in the late seventies. The number isn't quote retired like you would think that, you know, you honor, uh, players when you retire their number. 32 has not been officially retired. Reissued this year for the first time since OJ last wore it. Should they have done this? The, I mean, the conversation about the Buffalo Bills today is going to be, you know, bringing up bad memories of one of the faces of your franchise history and what he did. Granted, off the field, but I don't know if I if I would have if I would have been the Bills, I would have said no, 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 no. Anything but th- you, you're not wearing that one. How about thirty four? Going to interest you in thirty three. Thirty two is never going to be issued again. Yeah, I would agree with you. I I just think that. Obviously, he's just radioactive to the point, unfortunately, where anytime you bring his name up, there's only just one thing people talk about. And obviously, he had a great career at USC, had a great career at the Bills, he had a decent acting career, had a great television career. We can go on and on and on and on. But I think um, no matter who you are, if you're of age, no matter what's your background, no matter what you feel about him, there's only one thing that people bring up when his name is brought up. Um, I believe this is the first time, like you said, in 42 years, somebody's going to wear 32. Um, and to me, it's probably just best left unsaid, whether it's official or unofficial. It just drudges up too many negative things. And if I'm the Bills, even though there's an association with O.J. Simpson for what he did for the organization, there's a large percentage of sports fans walking around on planet Earth that don't even remember him with the Bills. And they're unnecessarily, I think, tying themselves back in with O.J. Simpson. I will say this is a sign of the times. <laughs> I don't know how they do it, but they always do it. About an hour ago, uh, O.J. did give a, a statement, and of course he gave it to who else? DMZ. <laughs> always there. And he did say that, I think he said that it's fine with me that if they do it. Now, he did tell that to the TMZ cameras, and once again, TMZ always on the team. Um, you know, like that was through lock last week. I don't know how to yeah. find these people, but it's unbelievable. Um, but I just tend to think if you're of age and all three of us are, and I assume most of your listeners are, um, it's just an inescapable truth. I don't think I'm going on a limb by saying 
that every time I think of O.J. Simpson, I think of 1994, Ron Goldman, mm-hmm. Nicole Brown Simpson. Yep. And I, I don't think there's many people walking around where that's a secondary thought. It's always primary in people's minds. Zubin, let's jump into the NBA. You'll get ready for the NBA Finals and, of course, the post-game coverage that you started a year ago, the great job that you do with that, and always looking forward after the game, flipping right over and watching Zubin. You, uh, do you know your destination? Is it going to be ESPN News, ESPN2 after the games this year? From what we understand, Scott will be on, the Scott Van Pelt will be on mm-hmm. every night on ESPN after the game, which will be hopefully like an ABC, ESPN flip over, we hope. And then we're hoping for ESPN2 every single uh, day if we can. However, the NBA Finals Game 1 does coincide with the Women's College World Series, which I think is scheduled to go May 30th to June 5th. doesn't have to go all the way to June 5th, but its last possible date is June 5th. And uh, there are, when you tabulate the people that watch the Women's College World Series, that number is in the millions. Um, I would assume all of those games will be on ESPN. There may be some live spillover action on ESPN2. So we are primarily hoping for ESPN2 for all the shows, and it'll be basically the second after uh, the game ends. We'll hopefully have Stephen A. Smith with us, Chauncey Billups with us, the usual cast of characters with us, um, until we can get to all of the press conferences from the Warriors, obviously, and whoever else might be there. So we're hoping for ESPN2 after every game, and we're hoping for more than four games like we got <laughs> last year. Yeah, so are we. Yeah, Because <laughs> uh, it starts, what, a week from Thursday, Zubin, and I saw potentially the final game would be June the 16th. Did I read that right? Yeah, that would be Father's Day, which I believe would coincide with the U.S. Open. Great story, too, that we're, we're working on at this point. Yeah, it is. One of the big, yeah, it would be a huge sports day if it could get to seven. Um, one of the big stories we're working on and putting a little effort into, but we don't know how it's going to play out, is uh, if you're interested, if you're an NBA fan out there, a great piece in the New York Times a couple weeks ago about how Mike Budenholzer uh, was really brought to the game of basketball by his father, who's a legendary high school coach in Arizona, uh, like in the northern section of the state, pretty sparsely populated area, Navajo, black, Latino area, that Budenholzer um, grew up in and said part of the reason he's been able to connect so well with all of his players whether it's a guy from Greece or a guy from America, right. it's because he grew up in this diverse area in Arizona um, where he was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy mm. just running around barnstorming with his dad and uh, playing hoops everywhere they could. And this summer they're actually going to name the high school gym after his father, and Budenholzer's going to go down. Nice. Mike's going to go down with his dad to get it done. I could only imagine what would happen if the Bucks would win the championship on Father's Day with his dad in the house knowing that they've got that summer trip planned to go down to commemorate the gym for his father who got him into the game. That would necessitate a lot. That would necessitate the Bucks getting there and forcing a game seven and likely winning it, but it's something we're keeping an eye on. And I know plenty of, you know, dads got their kids like myself involved in sports. So that's just something to keep an eye on if it goes the distance. Hmm. Well, Zubin, let's talk uh, Let's talk about that series. Uh, Toronto, uh, they're down 2-1 in the series. Uh, Danny Green was just atrocious. Uh, Fred Van Vliet was 1-11. of 11. Uh, Ibaka was 2-9. You would think that those three guys would at least be somewhat better tonight. But having said that, I mean, Giannis had what? Uh, he had what, finished with how many points? Ten, yes, 12, 12, something like think, that. Yeah. Uh, certainly a, a, an off day for him. So will that balance out? Because you know Giannis is going to be better than he was in Game 3. The Raptors got some guys that they feel that they've got another level. Um, are we going to get a good game tonight, Zubin? I guess is where I'm going. 
I think so. I think this is one of those situations where this is a huge spot, and people aren't going to talk about it because you're right. They're talking about the Greek freak bounce back. They're talking about Drake. They're talking about everything. This is a huge game for Nick Nurse um, because to me, and I know he was pretty interesting in some of his comments after game two, but to me, when you look at this, on the surface, when they fire Dwayne Casey, and I understand that you know LeBron is now out of the East and it clears the path, and that's why I think the Sixers are sitting there so disappointed today, and the Celtics are sitting there so disappointed today, because the biggest impediment has been lifted. Um, you should be able to make your way out of the East if you're talented. But when you fire Dwayne Casey, I just think if you give this 100, you know, being slightly hyperbolic here, but let's just have 100 situations like Dwayne Casey. You're a good coach. You're the NBA coach of the year. And you just can't get past LeBron. The organization just can't figure it out. And it needs a reboot. I don't think in most cases the GM, and the GM there, Masai Ujiri, great GM, in most other organizations, I just don't think the GM promotes one of the assistant coaches. I just think you say to yourself, we got to start over here. There's just something that's not clicking here. And in that case, I think it was a wondrous moment that Nick Nurse got the job. Not because he isn't qualified. I think he's more than qualified. He's more than Katie's team. He's a great Iowa story. But nine times out of ten, when the head coach isn't working and hasn't worked to your standards for multiple years, promoting a guy on his staff is a continuation of that guy. And I think that's how most teams look at it. Now, credit to Masai for saying, you know what, maybe Nurse did turn their offense. Maybe there is something about Nick Nurse that we like. But I think this is a big spot for Nurse because I certainly think he'll be back for a second year. I certainly think they have to take into consideration the idea that they were playing with Kawhi on a rental basis for the entire year, and there had to be massaging of egos going on before, after, and during games. That was a huge swing. Got to appreciate it if you're a Raptors fan, if you're a Masai, to make that move. All he's trying to do is win. But to me, this is a big spot for him because if they fall down 3-1, let's face it, if they fall down 3-1, they're probably going to lose the series 4-1, my guess would be. And then it's just going to be a ton of articles of Dwayne Casey life, junior version of Dwayne Casey. What are the Raptors doing? And I don't think that's fair, but I can just see those articles being written the second the Bucks win this series four games to one if it shakes out that way. Not fair to nurse but I think it's a big spot for him to try to avoid that storyline. Zubin, final thing for you. The Warriors are now, uh, well, they're palpable again because they don't have Durant there. Oh, boy, they're in trouble. I, you you heard the conversation before game six. Uh, they're, they're not going to be able to get it done. I, I've been so surprised the narrative that was out there that this team was going to struggle so much without Kevin Durant. I know his game had gone to another level. It, it felt like the beginning of the playoffs that he had surpassed LeBron and the two guys fighting for the MVP and Giannis and Harden, he was playing at that level. This is still a team that won 73 games without him. This is still a team that won an NBA title without him. And they're fun to watch again, at least for me. I don't think I'm alone in that sentiment. I agree. I I understand that a lot of people are pushing this. Man, the Warriors better watch out for the Bucs, especially (laughs) if Durant's not there. But I don't buy it. I mean, I think the Warriors are the clear, prohibitive favorite. And I got nothing against the Bucs the only team in the league with 60 wins. They do have a lot of length, and a lot of teams the Warriors have played don't have a ton of length. Now, the Warriors are the type of small ball team that will play Draymond at the five, and I don't know who in this particular lineup would guard Giannis. It seems like a tough matchup for the Warriors. 
Um, but I think they're the prohibited favorite. And to me, you know, it just comes down to this, and I'm sure you guys have seen this stat, but last night we were doing the late-night sports center, and John Anderson reeled this stat off, and I kind of looked at him, and I was like, really? And it was one of those stats where you can have all the advanced metrics and our second spectrum and all these crazy stats that we put out there that people love. But when John Anderson said the Blazers led the series 51% of the time, more than half the time you looked up at the screen, the Blazers were winning. If a team leads 51% of the time in a four-game series, the odds are they should not be swept out of the series, you know? And it just goes to show that when the shots need to be made, the Warriors make them. Because generally speaking, if a team leads 51% of the time, they should feel comfortable, as Anderson said, and I agree, they should feel comfortable about a 2-2 split. But the Warriors trailed the majority of the entire series and swept the series. I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, that's a crazy notion. So I agree. And as I said on the air last night, you know, this, this, uh, this, this dynasty has been great. And, it, you know, we might, we might as well enjoy it because July 1, it all might come to an end. But at the end of the day, you got to appreciate it. And you look at it and say the last time a team went to five straight NBA finals, realizing LeBron has gone to eight straight, but obviously now it's the same team. You're talking the 1950s and the 1960s, and that shouldn't be lost. Kerr said it in the postgame last night. He didn't particularly mention Durant, but with all the other things that are swirling around the Warriors, this team has done something that hasn't been done in the NBA since the 1950s and 60s. That should be the A number one headline, and unfortunately, it's not. If they were to win the title, perhaps it would be a great way to go out. But I agree with you. I know a lot of the guys are on the Bucks. Everyone's hot on the Bucks. But the Bucks are in a show-me mode right now. they got to show me before I buy it. And the Warriors have showed it to me for the last four years. Obviously, great, interesting little note. Not an earth-shattering note, but it is noteworthy that this is the first time the Warriors will face somebody other than LeBron in the NBA Finals in this particular run. So maybe that will add a little bit of juice to it. And Zubin, thank you as always, my friend. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Sounds great. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente, ESPN. Ton late. Get our final break in here. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 14- Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We're learning that the Who has very long history. Yeah, scratch them off. First concert I ever saw, by the way. Oh, the Who, 1970-something. Anyway. That's quite the start to your concert. Yeah, going. not bad, right? Uh, welcome yeah. back, Miller and Condon. Final segment here, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460KXNO. With you for, oh, a couple more minutes. Find out some numbers tonight and in which way you're inclined to lean. Uh, the Cubs play at 6. If you missed it early, we talked about it. We don't have the answer. KDSM as of this morning before I left for work is still off the air. Uh, they have the game tonight. Uh, so does ESPN. It's a 6 o'clock first pitch. Quintana on the bump for the Cubs. Will we be, well in a sense, SOL 
Double blacked out. Right, the double blackout, because KDSM is blacked out because of their transmitter problem. Uh, the um, lightning, apparently, that's what I was told, it, that hit it, okay. and it's still been off. Uh, it happened Thursday night. It was off on Friday, Saturday, and it's, it's again, it was still off this morning. So will, will they make it possible, because they can't show the darn game. Their, their station's off the air. Will they lift the blackout on ESPN? We will find out at 6 o'clock. But if you were betting, Trent, and you've already... Uh, Stated which way you would go on this. Yeah, there's no way we're seeing this game. No, unless that transmitter is fixed today. Right, and it wasn't at eight forty-five before I left uh, Ankeny. And probably these conditions not the best to fix. Good point. Electronics, I I guess. Power, yeah. I would guess that might come into play. Um, so we, well, we hope we can watch it, but we doubt that we can tonight. We know we can watch the basketball. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's game number four. Uh, the Bucks are favored, right? Didn't you tell me the Bucks are favored? As of yesterday, yes, they were. Two and a half or three? It was three, yes, still at three. Still at three? And I think I would lean Milwaukee's play. I would too, Trent. I think Toronto's in deep water tonight. Yeah. I just do. I mean, Giannis had an awful game. Now, granted, um, there was a bunch of Raptors that, you know, couldn't put it in the ocean if they were standing on a pier. Um, so you would think that they would shoot a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But I just think Milwaukee's a better team. I, regardless of whoever comes out of the East, I don't think they have a chance of knocking off Golden State, sadly. NHL Game 6 tonight. I West think St. Louis wins it. I think I think the Cup uh, Final is decided tonight. I believe it's going to be uh, St. Louis will start in Boston. Game number one is Memorial Day. You haven't got the starting time yet. I believe it's going to be a night game. So does Trent. Um, but yeah, it's going to be the Blues and it's going to be Boston. Just The Sharks are just too banged up. Know what the number is for tonight's game? Sharks are uh, the Sharks are a huge dog. Blues are massive favorites in this game. Minus one seventy, mm. plus one fifty on the other side. No, you can't bet the Sharks. You can't Three even, to two. Yeah, you can't even take a stab. You're throwing your money away. Really? I hope I'm wrong. Already have because I got a future. On I them. know you do. I know you do. I'd like to see the Sharks in. I know that there's a couple of Blues fans in the area, as opposed to Sharks fans, but um, we'll see. All right, we will hear Murph and Andy at two. Fanatics at four. Cappy tomorrow. By the way, I didn't know this. Did you know that Cappy, roundabout story, we'll tell it more tomorrow, Cappy stopped the Chicago Bulls from trading Scottie Pippen for Sean Kemp in the 90s. David Kaplan is behind that. Tell you more tomorrow when he joins us at 1045. Brought to us by Centurion Stone, 1460 KXNO.